What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here, and welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 67.5, and we are continuing our playthrough of Radiant Historia. It's been a while. Very, very long time, actually. Yeah, I think this might be the longest, has to be the longest break we've ever taken. Aside from Zombie Frog ending and then we started Phoenix Down. Yeah, that was a pretty big break. Which was about two years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, today I have with me Matt. Hey guys. And yeah, we're uh, we're back at it. So yeah, I I'm having a really hard time remembering what happened. Yeah, and th- this game, it is a very good game. But it's one that after I've been away from for a while, it doesn't have the big flair of like a trip, like a console game. So I don't know. There's something about it where I am enjoying it. I've been playing it off and on the, the whole, kind of the whole time that we've been away. Whenever I can fit it in, half hour here, hour there. But. It, it doesn't quite have the pull. Like, I haven't missed it as much as some other games that I would have. And maybe that's just been because I've been so busy yeah. that I haven't had time to. Because every time I do sit down to play it, I'm like, oh, yeah, wow, I like these guys. I remember these guys. Let's let's see how the story ends. Let's go. Let's let's continue. But it, I don't know. There's something about it. It doesn't have the draw. Maybe it's just not as shiny. I don't know. It, it's good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're finally back to it. It, you know, I've made an observation when I came back to it this time is that uh, there's two things about this game that kind of stand out to me. Um, the first one being it is a very political game. There, there's constant talks of like, you know, uh, alliances and people betraying each other and backstabbing and stuff like that. And it's it's one of those games where, you know. If you turn this into a television show, it would probably be close to Game of Thrones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other, and part of it is, and the other thing that stuck out to me was that like there's tons of dialogue in this game. Like there's there there were there's a couple of play sessions I had where it was majority the majority of it was dialogue. I was reading a conversation because they don't skimp with with conversations. They don't skimp with. Um, meaningful stuff I should say you know like a lot of times you play a JRPG and they just ha- they have a conversation and they just you know it, it it has no bearing on the story everything that's said here is pretty much important you know like oh we're going to go here we're going to talk to these people we're going to try and get alliances this place was taken over it's very political and everything kind of has a meaning to it yeah, so do you think that in your time away you've lost the thread of people's relationships? No, I think I think I'm okay there. Just yeah. just remembering the time that's the thing. It's like there's there's two stories going on here. Yep. And I'm starting to get those mixed up because I can't remember them. Uh now I my memory was jogged a little bit whenever I started it back up because we started it back up and I'm standing over Rosh's dead body because I just killed him. So I was like, okay, I remember this. This was in the standard timeline. But then we throw a monkey wrench into the whole thing uh, a little bit later. 
So we go to the standard timeline. We kill Rosh because he ambushes us. And, you know, we don't want to. But uh, this gives us the opportunity to get Rosh's gauntlet that hasn't been broken. And now we're able to go to the alternate timeline to fix the Rosh that's still alive who's on our side. So we bring back the pieces to have Sonya fix his gauntlet. So now he has the fighting spirit again. And we still choose to have Rosh lead the, lead the resistance or the army or whatever. And, um, so, uh, continuing on through the alternate timeline, uh, we decide to, uh, or the, us along with the, the beast village. I can't remember what that village is called. You remember? Uh, yeah, crap. I was just there. Forgia? No, that's another, that's, that's, no. that, that's the, that's the, the, the ape village. The beast village that where Oct and them were originally from. Oh, I can't. Yeah, remember. I'm not sure. Um, well, we're there with them, and we're like, okay, we need to. We're going to uh, try to get Cygnus to help us, which is the desert town or the desert city, uh, because uh, the Alistel army is coming after Stock and Rosh. They know where we are. They're going to be coming down this way, so we need to get some help. So let's go to our, our neighboring city with Cygnus. And get them to help. And it seems like we're probably deep enough into the game that that's pretty clearly the main thrust of the rest of the story, I would guess, right? We need to bolster our team, our resources, and then we're going to go against Alistair. Yeah, but Grand Orc's still in the mix as well. But Alistair's basically winning the the war against Grand Orc now, and now they're trying to take over everybody. General Hugo is going to take over the world or at least attempt to. So we have to stop that from happening. So we decide to, uh, we're going to go talk to the people of the desert city of Cygnus and hopefully get their aid in fighting against, uh, the Alistair army. Uh, during this time, the Alistair army, I guess, sees what we're trying to do. And decides to just send all their army to Cygnus and destroy them immediately. <laughs> so there goes that idea. Then they also then we also find out that there's an army uh, at the doorstep of the Beast Village. So we have to go fight them off. Uh, we run up there and have a boss fight with a Thaw Machine. Uh, you know, one of those big robotic guys. Yep. This fight was annoying. Because he kept dropping those bombs that would blow up. Yeah, that was a pain. Um, and this is like, since I, you know, since I, since we stopped recording and I got married and all this other stuff, I came back to this game and I've started experimenting with other party members other than Marco and Rainey. I need have to... you? Because I have not done much with them because I right now can't afford to outfit them. I can't afford to outfit them, but some of them are really good. So, Rosh, you can upgrade his um, his gauntlet to have different types of attacks. He has different modes 
that are really good. Oct. Oct. Holy crap. Oct. I've used her a fair amount. Oct is a fantastic with her traps. Yeah. She has helped me defeat so many bosses. I haven't used uh, Erica any. Yeah, I haven't used Erica much. But yeah, I love Oct, especially paired with Stock, because he can move people around so much. Oh, yeah. And we use her a lot in the upcoming parts here. But we hold off the Alistel army. We return back to the village. And we have a talk with the the village elder. And he's like, well, the only other place that we can possibly ally with that can even help us would be the... the it starts with the F. What did you call it, Matt? Forgia. Forgia. Which is the... It's another beast town. Uh, but it's all of the ape uh, people, which is Gafka's people. Uh, and so the, the, the what the Gatrols? The Gatrols, yeah, that's the name of the race. Uh, so we ask uh, Gafka, hey, can you get us in? He's like, well, no, because I've been exiled from there. Uh, he he went against their code. They they are the the strongest uh, haters of humans. Yeah, I was going to say their code is to hate people. Yeah, hate humans. And uh, he, I think, went to the aid of some humans, and they were like, you know what, get out of here. You're not wanted anymore. So, and Stock's like, well, how can I even get them to listen to me if we can't even get into the town? And he's like, well, you'll need a, a symbol uh, uh, that allows people to enter. But good luck for a human getting it, because you have to pass a trial to even get it. And they're not going to let a human even in there. They wouldn't let a human in the town, let alone their their trial sanctum. Yeah. So this, we come to an impasse, and we can't continue on. Yeah, the beast mark. That's what we need. Yeah. So, uh, uh, gosh, uh, Tio and Lipti show up and say, well, come on back to Historia. We're going to have to go somewhere else now. And so we go and, back. And there's only one other place to go. <laughs> yeah. So we go back to the standard timeline, but there's a difference here. If you remember, the last time we were in the standard timeline, we had just now killed Rosh. Uh, so we go back, and it's right before Rosh ambushes us. And yeah, so, um, Rosh has a different, uh, tale to tell this time around. Uh, and it's because we, we helped Rosh with his fighting spirit in the alternate timeline. It has seeped over into the standard timeline. And when he sees uh, stock, he's like, okay, I'm going to betray our kingdom so I can help you. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with you and I'm strong enough to do this now. Yeah. He's like, uh, I see what Hugo is doing. He is an evil man, and we don't need to trust him. We need to stick together. I'm still, but he says he is still going to pretend to be on their on Alistair's side, but he he will he will not attack us. He he's he's going to help us. So we decide, okay, great, thanks, Rosh. So we don't have to kill Rosh. Rosh is not dead in this timeline. We we're able to save him. So. Sorry, I was closing my door. I said I thought that TV was a little too loud. 
anyway, so, uh, we're like, okay, great. So as we're, uh, um, gosh, what's his name? Marco. Marco comes out to, uh, keep guard, keep lookout. And, uh, uh, some gas takes over us and we all pass out and we wake up and we're in prison. Stock is alone and he meets up the little kid named Ricky. I can't remember where this kid's from. Apparently he's been here before, but I can't remember where he is. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Ricky's whatever. He's a little kid. He's he's annoying. <laughs> but we wake up and we find ourselves in none other than uh, Cygnus, the desert city. Uh, kind of find out Cygnus is ran by uh, mercenaries, mainly just mercenaries. And they have their own king and uh, King Gerard. Is that it? Uh, Garland. Garland? It's Garland, yeah. Gerard. I think it's Garland. Um, it's not, it was, I know it started with a G. Uh, so, uh, King Garland, uh, we're, uh, we've been captured and we're now being held prisoner by King Garland. Uh, but the guy who captured us was basically like a, a right hand man to him. And he's like a slimy idiot who kidnaps people and forces them to do things for him. And his big plan for stock is you look like a pretty good fighter. I want you to be a gladiator in our arena. That that feels very video gamey to me. It is very video gamey, and it's happened a ton <laughs> in video games. Yeah. In fact, if you remember correctly, it happened in Xeno Gears. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, we have to uh, do some fighting in an arena, and this is the part where I said this is all complete padding. This didn't really need to be here. Yeah, I mean. I guess we needed to get to Cygnus, and we need to find some way to win over the king, but really, gladiator fights? Yeah. So that, that that was the thing that I got confused on, because I'd lost my track, I'd lost track of what I was doing in the standard timeline. Uh, we had betrayed um, the Alistair army, because we were ordered to kill Erica. We didn't kill Erica. We joined the resistance against the Grand Org army. And she was wanting to go find help um, through uh, Cygnus. In this timeline, Cygnus has not been destroyed by the Alistair army. That happens in the alternate timeline. And I was like, what? Wait, what's going on? I can't remember what I was doing here. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, I was going to say that when we started back up. I agree with you. It's more the timelines that get blurred and not the characters because while this does come off kind of Game of Thronesy, it doesn't quite have the character nuance or I guess the, the other way to say that. The amount of characters? Yeah, well, the mass amount of characters. Also, the the gray. I mean, a lot of like the good guys and bad guys seem to be clearly good or clearly bad. I mean, maybe not clear, but... Hugo, at least, is the kind of guy who comes off as evil, right? Always. And Keel comes off as a good guy. Yeah. You know, I, I guess maybe you would say there's a little bit of it with 
Rosh, not wanting to betray his his Alistel, uh, but then you know switching over to the other side. But it it's a bit simplistic, or the characters are well enough defined that I didn't really lose track of who they were after not playing it for a little while. Right. So we get a cutscene where uh, Diaz and the other guy, they're, they're both generals for the Grand Org army. They betray um, the, um, they betray the, um, 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 hang on a second, Matt. Sorry about that. Um, I can't remember what timeline that happened where they betray Queen Patea and execute her. I think that happens in the alternate timeline. Executor. Yeah. So we get a cutscene where, um, the two generals, you know, the two guys who talk about Queen Patea and how they hate her. Yep. They, they come in and get, um, they get, they basically capture her or not capture, but take her in, into custody. And then we get word saying that they had executed her and Diaz is now running the show. This happened in the standard timeline. Because Diaz then starts running the show, and he said he was going to meet up with the the leader of Cygnus to talk about agreements. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that... I can't remember when that happened. Um, I think it was, like, during the whole Cygnus thing, whenever, like, where we were passed out kind of thing. But yeah, we wake up in Cygnus and now we have to fight in a, um, in a tournament for this guy to win our freedom. And it's a series of boss fights. Yep. Not really that hard, I thought, until you get to the, essentially the one you can't win. So yeah, there, there's a couple of them. Um, I oct, uh, we run into oct. They, ha- they have sold her to a bartender who is basically using her as a, as a slave for tending the bar. And we're like, right, we want to fight for her freedom. We have to fight the bouncer of the bar. <laughs> and this is when I started using oct and I was like, oh man, her traps are amazing. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're pretty good, but I still end up defaulting to Rainy and her. She's got that one G fire. Yeah, G which, fire. Oh, uh, it just devastates a lot of these bosses. Yeah, especially if you use magic boost with her. Yep, and I've got her outfitted to where I'm boosting her magic as much as possible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. We use um, Oct to uh, fight off the bartender. We get Oct back. And so we ask this guy, hey, where's uh, the other woman I came in with? Like, oh, they got her in prison, but, or he doesn't tell us that. He's like, I got information, but first you had to help me. My brother's looking for somebody really strong to fight, and so far you've proven yourself, but you have to enter this tournament. 
And so the tournament turns into fight random guys, then fight uh, the two thieve guys that we keep running into. I can't remember what their names are. Yeah, and they've got a name for their little group, right? The Desert Thieves? Yeah. Uh, we run into them, have to fight them in the second round. And then the third round, this is just... Also, this, I should mention, our party consists of Stock and Oct. That's it. Um, the third round, we have to fight this guy in, like, golden armor. It's the brother, basically. And he has this trick where he paralyzes us both. And we can't even fight him. So Oct decides that she's going to use her mystical powers to break free of the paralysis. But we have an option. Do we continue to let her do that so we can fight this guy? Or do we stop her? What did you do, Matt? Uh, I had to stop her. There was some hint that if she were to continue, she would die or be hurt or be worn out or something. Yeah, uh, I think Stock says it looks like she's in a lot of pain, is what he says. Yeah, so to me that one was pretty clear that the right option is to not let her do it. Yeah. I'm not a completionist, so I'm not worried about filling out this timeline sheet. So I didn't worry about it. I just, if you do choose it, it, it gives you, uh, not necessarily a game, it gives you a game over of, oh, you guys lost and, you know, the end of the world still happened. <laughs> so I just, um, I just stopped Oct. And then we get defeated. And that's when Tio and Lipty show back up and saying, oh, it looks like you're at an impasse again. Uh, you need to go back to another timeline to figure out what is up with this guy. And he uses the power of Chi to uh, to paralyze his foes. Yep. Also, uh, a common trait of the, the Guttrals. Yes. There was a, a master of Chi that was from the Guttrals who was banished from his homeland. Oh, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> so we return back to the alternate timeline. We talk to Gafka again. And Gafka teaches Stockt stocked stock to um to i guess master his own chi and i find it a little ridiculous so stock is just a, a master of everything yep because and he even says it he says you just learn something in mere minutes that it takes a person a lifetime to learn which he's basically done more than once now yes he's done that with the shadow stepping He's done that with a lot of stuff. So, Which, it's at the point now where if there's not a good explanation for it, it's a weakness of the writing. Yeah. Right, he can't just be that good at everything, it just doesn't make sense. He's the chosen one. <laughs> so we have learned the way to harness our chi, uh, so we can break through that guy's um, chi paralysis or whatever. We then return back to the standard timeline and take on that fight again. And Stock now, with his newfound abilities, can break through it and have a fair fight. Don't know how fair it is. Uh, so yeah, not if I'm as good as as we just mentioned. Yeah. So uh, when we get into the boss fight, 
the guy takes one damage from everything. And I'm like, well, that sucks. And so, all right, let me ask you, Matt, what did you do? Uh, shit, I don't remember. You don't remember how you beat him? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Was there a trick to it? Well, my trick was I poisoned him and then just defended until he got down to one hit point and then killed him. Mm. I think I did use poison as well. Because that seemed to be the only thing you could do. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, Oct has a poison trap. Uh, I usually use Rainy's ability. Yeah, I do too, but I didn't have Rainy with me. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I used, uh, Ox Poison Trap and, uh, just sat there and defended until he died <laughs> of poisoning. That, that is a long, slow battle. Uh, you know, it didn't take that long. No? Uh, How much uh, damage was your poison doing? Uh, probably about 50, 60 damage per turn. Hmm. And you know, uh, you know, it was probably about ten turns. Oh yeah, I don't remember that. Seems like it was more than mine did. Hmm. So yeah, we beat him, and then that's when we get our information. We go back to the guy's brother. He tells us where they're keeping Erica. We go, and uh, Erica is being held captive. And uh, during this time, uh, hell spiders. <laughs> Yep. Attack. Fully, fully matured hell spiders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they have, uh, they begin attacking the, the city of Cygnus. There's four of them. And one of them breaks through and goes into the city. So Stock's like, okay, we're going to have to stop this thing. So we break out. I switch back out of my characters. I go back to my Randy and Marco. And we have a boss fight with this giant spider that takes up the entire grid. And, uh, yeah, uh, we're trying to, uh, uh, beat this thing. It's not really that hard. Yeah. It's big. It's just big. Yeah. We kept Marco healing and then Randy was setting him on fire and then so was, uh, so was stock. And, uh, that was it. After taking that thing out, Garland, King Garland comes back in. He's like, Oh man, one of them broke through. It's probably attacking the city right now. And then Stock's there. He's like, no, we took care of it. And Stock sees this as a golden opportunity to say, hey, we just saved your city. Why don't you, why don't you help us? So, uh, and then, uh, Garland's, uh, right hand man's like, I know who this woman is now. It makes sense. She's Princess Eureka from the Grand Org Army. And, uh, he said, we should, uh, we should use her as leverage for, uh, when DS comes to talk to us. Yeah, hand her over. Yeah. And uh, he's like, you know what? I'm not going with that. Get out of my sight. <laughs> Throws him out of the village. And uh, says, yeah, I'm siding with stock. He's like, you guys are resistance. I can't stand those grand org assholes. <laughs> and so uh, we now have an ally in Cygnus. Yep. Basically, mission accomplished. Yeah. 
And uh, we uh, Tio and Lipty show back up and says, "Hey, congratulations! We are now going into chapter six, or no, chapter five. There was also a comment they made there, or maybe it was like the narrator made a new conflict concerning Erica approaches. Uh, I don't remember that, but I do remember this. Uh, we find out that Oct can see Tio and Lipty. Yep, she's uh she, when Tio and Lipty show up. Uh, the, they're like, who is this? Who are these people? And he's like, uh, they're they're helping me. I'm doing something that you may not understand. And uh, she's she kind of gets mad at Stock for 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 kind of doing his own thing. And she's acting weird too because she's constantly been saying, "I don't want you to do something because I want you with me forever." So it seems like Oct has possibly had some kind of clairvoyance. Yep. Where she can possibly see Stock's demise. Wouldn't be the, you know, wouldn't be unprecedented in this universe. True. So, yeah. Unfortunately, that's where I stopped. So right at the beginning of Chapter 5. The beginning of Chapter 5 in the standard timeline, to which I then looked at a game fact to see how far... Because I, I still can't go to the alternate timeline because I haven't got anything to fix the the stopping point there. And I was like, oh, I looked at a fact and it just kept going through the standard timeline. And I'm like, oh, this is like four pages of the standard timeline. I'm going to be here a while before I go back to the alternate one. <laughs> so you have to basically hit chapter six in the standard timeline before you can even get to chapter five of the alternate timeline. Yeah, it does take a while. It's interesting, Chapter 5 is titled Victory hmm. on the standard history. So I wonder then maybe maybe this big battle against LSL is not the final story. Oh, I highly doubt the it. Apex. I highly doubt it. Because I think the big bad here is not Hugo, but Heiss. Yeah. Because he's the one who's... I get the feeling he's the guy who's doing all the evil time traveling and screwing with the timelines. Yeah, we still have to figure out who the evil leaper is. Yeah, the evil leaper. It's none other than Sam Beckett. <laughs> uh, but yeah... Um, Unfortunately, that's that's all I can talk about. Um, I guess we could talk a little bit about a few things, uh, particularly since I'm not going to be on the N4G podcast this upcoming week where they discuss E3. Why don't we have a little E3 discussion, Matt? Yeah, did that you, sounds pretty good. Did you watch any of it? I did. I, I watched quite a few game trailers. Uh Watch bits and pieces of the conferences. So, yeah, it was uh, certainly full of games, which was good. I don't know that I need any more at the moment since I can't play either the ones I have or the ones that I want to buy that I don't have. So, uh, good, good, good enough for me to know that there's a lot inbound in the next year. Yeah, that uh, was my overall. That was my overall take on it. Lots of fun stuff coming up, um, and because 
I watched all of the Sony one, and a lot of it was like playable, not ju- not just teasers. That so it makes it feel like these are real games that are coming and not vaporware. True, very true. Uh, the Sony's man, their their conference showed what nine games. That's it. <laughs> yeah, uh, they showed long stuff of it. You know, a lot of it. But I was just like, mm. you know. I mean, I, I'm not picking sides or anything here, but I was like, Microsoft showed off 50 games. Yeah. And they showed off nine. Is Sony coasting? Is that what they're uh, doing? Yeah, probably. I mean, that, that, that would kind of be my takeaway on it. Part of it might be the story around them right now is this is where all the great games are. You know, the great exclusive games, so maybe their thought was if that's what people like, that's what people will get. But yeah, it, my overriding sense was that they were kind of coasting. I expected, despite the <laughs> clear comment to the contrary, I expected some big reveal. Right. So, hard hard not to be let down at E3 when there's not a big reveal like that, but... So what's uh, what's the big one you're excited for? Uh, ghosts. Ghosts of Tsushima. Uh, ghosts of Tsushima. Tsushima. Okay, I don't. Uh, I don't know. That sounds like sushi. Yeah, but that. I mean, that was just unbelievably gorgeous. And if it's as open as they say, it. And it wasn't. It, it wasn't gorgeous in just the technical detail it just seemed so artistic and reminded me a little bit of Bushido Blade mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know that that one might not have been the one I was most excited for but for me it was the most surprising because I all I had heard really was the name didn't know anything about the game it's Sucker Punch right yes yeah the infamous so, people yep I, I've I've enjoyed their stuff so I've got no reason not to be excited for it based on the pedigree. And also it just looks so different. I'm excited to see what they do on a n- new type of game. The the whole time I was watching that, I was thinking uh, Zatoichi. Have you ever seen Zatoichi? I don't think so. Uh, so the Blind Swordsman. They, had, uh, they made a bunch of black and white movies back in the day, uh, like back in the 60s, 50s and 60s, I think. Hmm. With Zatoichi, yeah. and it's, it was a whole chronicle of like this guy who was basically blind, and he was like a master swordsman, and he it him being blind, he was like Daredevil basically. It allowed him to hear better stuff like that, and they made like a two thousand one or two movie uh, that was actually really really good. Uh, it had the guy from I think I'm pretty sure the guy that played uh, Zatoichi was the guy from Takashi's Castle. Which was, if you remember, that was the the Japanese uh, game show that later became an American television show called uh, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Yeah, uh, spoof game show. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's that. The whole time I was thinking, oh, this is Zatoichi because you know it's just the way, like he, he, you know, you take out a guy in one hit kind of thing, and the way it's all stylized and stuff. I was like, oh, it's like a it's almost like the blind swordsman. Um, that looked really impressive. 
uh, I think to me, uh, the game of the show, and you didn't really see gameplay until later on, was uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake. Yeah, uh, obviously that was the most exciting one for me. Oh my gosh, it looks so good. Yeah, it does look really good. It looks amazing, and I cannot wait to play that game. Like, the Resident Evil 2 is like one of my favorite games of all time. Yep. They're finally that's getting the ca- a remake. That's the kind of game where I was watching it, and I'm like, this, I feel like I want to take the day off and like build up for this and just really like sit down and play for, it may not sound like that much, but four, five, six hours, like something I haven't been able to do much in a long time. Right. Like, I would really just love to play through the whole beginning of that game that I've played through so many times. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Did they say anything on dates? Oh, yeah, that's January. January 20-something for uh, oh. Resident Evil 2. Yeah, so a that little game, ways that, out. That game's not... almost finished, I think. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, the Last of Us Part 2. Yeah, it looked like The Last of Us Part 1. Yeah. But sequelified, so a little bit, little bit more intense, a little bit more atmospheric. So I- I'm certainly in. That was a game of the show for Laura. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't need to see any more about that game other than the trailer they showed. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that, that's all. I'm, I'm already to sold on it. I wouldn't say I'm sold on it, but I'm going to get that day one because I'm obligated to. <laughs> you know how I feel about Naughty Dog. Yep. Um, the one, the only game that I saw that really didn't increase my excitement was actually Spider-Man. Really? Yeah, it looks fine, but it it, it looks fine. I, I don't know. And and I think maybe that's just a case of I've seen enough of it already. I don't know. It wasn't like Last of Us 2 I hadn't seen anything of. Um, Death Stranding I hadn't really seen anything of. Um, Ghost of Tsushima was brand new. So like most of what I saw, at, at least at that conference, was newish. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot more gameplay of Spider-Man, but the more gameplay I saw, the more it just feels like uh, an action game. I don't know. It sounds like it looks like a good one, but it doesn't feel as new as some of the other games did. Right. Well, Spider-Man was this year. Yep. I think that's what, November? Can't remember. Um, Death Stranding. I, I don't care about that game. I am. I am. I have hit that point where I'm just like, you know what? I don't care. Yeah, I'm a suck. I'm a sucker for those obtuse. You know, I have no idea what this is about yet, but there's a. They're trying to build up mystery. I mean, I I am the the sole proprietor of uh, Killer Seven, which is the most obtuse game ever, and I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think it's because. I don't know why. I I, I I don't like Norman Reedus that much. Yeah, I, I'm i indifferent to him. I know. I, I, I like The Walking Dead. I haven't watched it in a few years. That's probably I, for the best. I like Norman Reedus on The Walking Dead, but I, I just thought he was a good character. I didn't necessarily get real amped up for him, not, not any more than really any of the other characters. Yeah. So I, I don't think he adds anything to it. Like, I would have been perfectly fine if it was any other actor 
or, or a non-actor even. Uh, but it's, it, I, to be honest, I, I guess it's just more Kojima that's got me excited about it. And the, I don't even know what you say. It's not iconic, the images, but it's very, it, it's intentionally withholding information just the way that they've showed it, everything about it. Right? It's almost like concept art. Like, you're supposed to fill in this whole backstory just based on the words Death Stranding and the fact that they are, like, bleeding black. Like, does that mean something? Does it not? I don't know. It's like the whole lost. Is everything a mystery? Is nothing a mystery? What's happening? Well, that's the thing about Kojima is that you said it right. He he makes a game and, he you know, the leading up to the game, you're like, oh, there's all this mystery. And, you know, you don't really know what's going on. But then... His games are, you play them, and then you don't really know what's going on, and it's a mystery still. You know, and it's all like, oh, you leave it up to interpretation. No, screw that. You know, you will never get a backstory as to any of this. You'll be thrown into that world and be expected to know, like, all the characters will be talking about things as if they're a matter of fact, and there will be no explanation. I guarantee it. And that's why I don't care. It's it, it's weird for being weird. It's weird for weird's sake, and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't care at this point. I think I think they have overhyped this game. I think Kojima has been overhyped for the past two games that he's made, and I'm just like, because mm. honestly, Metal Gear Solid Five left such a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, way to ruin. You know, you, you're supposed to go out on a freaking bang, and instead you went out on a freaking whimper. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five is still a game that I I'm unsettled about. It's a weird experience to enjoy playing a game and dislike it at the same time. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like any if you would have made this game and took out all of the quote-unquote Metal Gear parts out of it, it would have been a fantastic game. But the minute you slap Metal Gear on it, you have an expectation. Yep. And the expectations were not met at all. You know, you're you're supposed to be leading up to your original game on the NES, Metal Gear, and you leave off on that. Yeah, you, and you have it's, it's the it's the worst Metal Gear game. Metal it's the worst Metal Gear game I've ever played because it's not Metal Gear. I agree, but there were so many rumors, so much controversy swirling around that development that it's hard for me to pin that on Kojima. Maybe you know, either directly or indirectly. It, he bears some of the responsibility, sure. But to assume that that's going to carry over to the next game, I don't think so. Because what what 5 missed was all of the weirdness of 2 and 4. And it seems like so far, Death Stranding's got nothing but weirdness. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Right now, it's kind of filling the gap from maybe what I, what I wanted from 5. I, I don't feel that way. I think five was was okay in the weird aspect of it. Five wasn't a Metal Gear game because the first thing you think of when you when I say Metal Gear, you think of the insane boss fights, the mm-hmm. the 
crazy espionage, uh, backstabbing, you know, oh, it's actually really a liquid snake and stuff like that. And, and this game had three boss fights, tops. This game was, it, he, he wanted to make an open world game with, with mission structure. And that's not Metal Gear, you know? I mean, nothing was explained. Like, nothing was explained. You yeah. Know, the man on fire was, was freaking Sokolov? Or not Sokolov, um, what's his name? Volgan? Huh? Yeah. Which again makes me feel like it was just unfinished, which is the complaint. Well, right? it, it definitely was unfinished. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt unfinished because that stuff should have tied back. There should have been, there should have been origin. Like the, the whole reason three, while it doesn't fit some of the Metal Gear molds, the reason it's so good is because it's all, or, you know, it's all growth. It's all backstory. It's all those characters that I like. Yeah. Like, like five. You know, with three, you know, it, it, like, I didn't even realize it until years later. Like, in Metal Gear Solid 3, the guy who was like the medical guy, Signet, or whatever his name was, that's, mm. that's Donald Anderson. That's the DARPA chief from Metal Gear Solid. Hmm. Yeah. It's the origin stories. Yeah. And that, that, is why that game worked so well. I think it, it doesn't have the weirdness of two and four, but it, it it feels very comfortable because those are the characters I care about, and it it feels finished in that way. Everything matters. Everything's tied together. Ah well. So I, I I'm still you know even just in a theoretical sense curious to see how. Death Stranding works because I want to see what he can do without being tied to that mythology. Yeah. Right, because those expectations did just keep ramping up to five. And yeah, it, it certainly buckled under the weight of them, but free from those expectations to a degree, you know, what does he do with a new playground? Yeah, I mean, the Kojima had went on record a long time saying that he wished Metal Gear Solid 2 was the last one that he made. Like he I'm wanted, certainly glad it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to stop after that one. And um, he's like, the pressure for the fans, pressure from Konami, you know, to, to continue yeah, making that, them. That end of two does feel like the end. Yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway, enough about Death Stranding and Kojima. And, honestly, I don't know. I, I, just, I love those Shadow Monster deaths, whatever they were. They seem interesting, yeah. Uh, I just, like, the whole thing seems interesting, but at the same time, I was like, ah, whatever. Like, will I play it when it comes out? Yeah. I mean, of course I will. It's Kojima. At the same time, I'm just like, do I want to go through another weird Kojima game with no explanation? See, I kind of feel like what I want to do, maybe to get to this point, is, like, go into full-on blackout for it. I don't want to get excited for it. I just want to know when it comes out, and I want to play it and just experience it without any build-up. You might be on and something then, there. You know, and, and then maybe it can live on its own, and maybe I'm ready for the weirdness. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I am excited for it. I, I don't know if I would say it's the game from E3 that I'm most excited for. Resident Evil for me. Yeah. Like, that. that's... I, I cannot wait to play that game. See, I'm almost more concerned about the letdown on Resident Evil, though. I don't want to have that 
feeling like I've been there and done that before, which I don't think I will get just because I thought the Resident Evil remake was excellent. Dude, the, that. yeah, like, that's the great thing about it. That's that's what I loved about Remake was that Remake, you know, I, I had Resident Evil memorized. I'd played yep. it so many times. And I it's played a remake, re- but a remix. I, yeah, I played Remake, and I was like, what, what, what is this room? This room wasn't here in the original game. I can't yeah. wait to see what they're going to do with that. Yeah, it's almost like when you say, oh, I wish I could go back and play that for the first time. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm hoping I get out of Resident Evil 2. It'll be like the first time. Oh, man, I can't wait. I cannot wait for that game. That's 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 my number one right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also gosh. didn't expect to see any gameplay coming out of E3 for it, just because it was really the first time it was shown. Did you did you watch any of the gameplay stuff? Yes, and it looked awesome. Oh, it looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. No, I watched like a, like a full twenty minute demo of somebody who cannot play games play that game. <laughs> I was like, wow, you missed a headshot from literally two feet. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, trying to think of anything else. What else does Sony show off? I can't even remember. The big one that I wanted to see more of that I didn't was Cyberpunk. Yeah, they showed off Cyberpunk at Xbox. Uh, they didn't show gameplay. They showed that behind closed doors, and everybody who went and saw it said that it. That's the, that's the only thing they can't like. That's the one thing that they're that blown them away. Yep. Um, w- with Cyberpunk, I know it's going to be great because the CD Projekt Red. I I'm not a big Cyberpunk fan. Like as a style, yeah, as a style. I, I like, like I've always said, you know, if you gave me Mass Effect versus Dragon Age, I'll take Dragon Age any day of the week. Because yep. I'm, I'm a fantasy guy. That's my thing. I love Dungeons and Dragons. I love Dragon Age. I love anything that has to do with, you know, uh, knights in armor versus mages shooting fireballs. You know, that, yep. that that's Classic. my jam. Classic fantasy. Yeah, that's that's my kind of style. Like you know, you can have the space opera all day, but I'm going to pick you know, I'm going to pick uh, the Black Company, which I've been reading lately. So, uh, yeah, I'm reading a book. Amazingly enough, <laughs> uh, uh, jumped into the Black Company, which is actually very interesting. If you've never read it, I have not yet, but I plan to. Okay. Um. It's gruesome. Or I, I wouldn't say gruesome. It's pretty rough. There's there's a lot of talk of people's body parts being hanging from uh, sinew and threads and stuff. It's it's messed up. But anyway, uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm a fantasy guy. So cyberpunk, yeah, I'm gonna buy that day one. But at the same time, I just don't care about the you know augmentation stuff. Uh, Deus Ex was a good game, um, but I just, I don't know. That's not my style. Okay. But Cyberpunk, yeah. I, I wish I could have seen gameplay. Yep, me too. Um, and this is more, this this looks pretty hardcore Cyberpunk too. Yeah. Like where it's not space opera necessarily, well, 
we'll see. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty pumped for it. Obviously because of The Witcher, but also because of Deus Ex, really. So, did you read anything about Cyberpunk? As far as like people's impressions of it and stuff? Uh, just that similar statement that it looked nice and flashy, but the, the real meat of it was behind the scenes, and it looked great. You, you know, it's a first-person yeah. shooter? First-person, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. First-person, certainly. Shooter, I, I don't know. I think... I think it's easy to label something a first-person shooter, but that can mean a lot of things. That's true. I'm sure you're going to be shooting guns in it, but there might be other things involved. Yep. So um, I, if that doesn't really... That's not a detraction from me, necessarily, or for me. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I don't know. I, maybe I would have liked it better as third-person, but... No. You got... Uh, gosh, what else was there? God, I can't even remember. Oh, yeah, um, uh, Bethesda showing off uh, Fallout 76. Yeah, I, I'm going to say one of my... Fallout's one of the biggest franchises that I've never really gotten into. Yeah. I, I, I've i played a good amount of Fallout. I love the idea of Fallout, but every time I've played it, it's been so buggy that I have stopped. Yeah. That's... Yeah, mostly three. I put the most time into three, but by the most time, I mean six hours, maybe. Mm. I've beat Fallout Three, beat Fallout Four. Couldn't beat New Vegas because it got a glitch and it broke the game for me. But I got close to beating New Vegas. Um, I have no interest in Fallout Seventy Six. Uh, I I don't care about playing with my friends in Fallout. Yeah. Um, one thing they didn't show off, but has been confirmed by uh, uh, good old Teddy, is that um, there is vats in the game, but it doesn't slow down time. It doesn't stop or slow down time. I don't know how that's going to work exactly, because the first thing I thought was, this looks like it's still running on the Fallout engine. Like the, mm-hmm. the standard Fallout engine. And if anybody's ever sat down and played a Fallout game without using VATS, uh, they would know that they're not going to have a good time. <laughs> and so I was thinking, oh, this game looks like it has no VATS, which they didn't show off any in any of the gameplay that they showed. Um, and I was like, this is going to be a mess. People trying to aim down the sights in real time in a Fallout game in that engine is going to be bad. But he said, he did say there VATS is in the game, but he says, I don't know how it's going to work. It doesn't slow down time and it doesn't stop time. So usually VATS was there so you could stop and assess the situation and see what you wanted to do. Yep. Um, but now that it's, you know, online, you can't stop time for everybody else. So. Yeah, it would be kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't want, I, I have no, I have no use for that game. I don't, uh, know, yeah, I don't I, want to sound negative, but no. I think I'm unlikely to ever play it. Uh, in if, if things align correctly, I would love to give it a chance. If if I had it and I didn't have a pressing game that I was more excited for the, to play, I, I would love to give it a try, but I just kind of think it's unlikely that that will happen. The, given 
the sheer number of other games that are coming out that I want to play more. Yeah, so I know a lot about the Fallout lore because I was big into Fallout Three, and I even played a decent amount of Fallout One back in the day when I was oh like, wow when I was a kid. Yeah, um, and I know a lot about the Fallout lore, and the the thing it really irks me is the fact that they're doing something that has never been done in Fallout is that they're they're doing one of the the control vaults. So for those of you who don't know, uh Vault Tech, the people who made the vaults, they they originally made those vaults to be experiments on groups of people. If you've played Fallout four you notice, you know, that the vault in Fallout 4 was uh, not there to save people from nuclear annihilation. It was there to uh, test cryogenics on people to see if they could reanimate people after they had been frozen. In Fallout 3, uh, the vault that you were in was uh, an experiment that was, uh, the vault was not supposed to be open for like 200 years. 76 fallout or, or vault 76 was one of the 20 vaults that was the control vault they did not have an experiment they were to be closed for 20 years and then reopened so that you could then leave and repopulate mm. the the world okay we've never seen that every fallout game has taken place hundreds of years after the bombs dropped so everything is a nuclear wasteland and fallout 76 not, not everything is a wasteland yet and I really wanted to see that in a single-player Fallout game. But they wanted to make it a freaking multiplayer game. <laughs> and I'm just like, why would you take something that important in the Fallout lore and turn it into a multiplayer game? Where, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to have to worry about other people just coming and killing you. And I just... It's, yeah. It's really annoying to me. Yeah, it's almost... I don't want to say that like it should have, multiplayer should have been tacked on, but you know if if the bread and butter here is single player, it does feel tough to experiment with something that's important like that. Now, that's just me being a somewhat Fallout fan. Take your Metal Gear Online, and that's not a, a main mainline entry. Yeah, what if like yeah, what if Metal Gear? What if, what if Metal Gear Survive was actually the final conclusion to Metal Gear Solid, the series? Think of it that way. Yeah. And I'd be like, why would you do this? <laughs> you know? But yeah, nah, I, I, that was it. Fallout, they showed off Fallout, showed off Rage 2. Um, I enjoyed oh, yeah. my time with Rage, beat it, um, had a really bad ending. Uh, Rage 2 looked fun. Mm -hmm. I'll probably play that one day. All I saw from that was some sc screenshots. Yeah. Um, they showed... Uh, they've got a new... You remember Wolfenstein? They had the Old Blood, which was like a standalone DLC kind of thing. Yep. They got a, one called the New Blood, which takes place in this alternate timeline of the 1980s. Okay. And their, their names are getting a little confusing, though. It's not hard. It's not easy to know which one goes with which. <laughs> yeah. Well, the new blood is because you're playing as B.J. Blaskovich's uh, twin daughters. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, 
there's that. They teased uh, their two next big projects. Uh, the first one being Starfield, which is their which we've heard we've heard rumors about this for years that they've been making a quote unquote Elder Scrolls in space, right? And um, they're uh, yeah they're 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 doing it. So I don't I they the, all they showed was a trailer that showed the space that was it. There was no gameplay. There was no there was not a person on screen. Yeah, it says they've been working on it for a while. Certainly. Yeah, they, that's their next game after Fallout seventy six. Um, hmm. and then they teased the game after Starfield, which is The Elder Scrolls six. You telling me that we have we have yet another game before we get the next Elder Scrolls game? What are you uh, that, doing? That's a wait. That's that, a wait. That, that dude, I'll tell you, Starfield. We won't see Starfield for three years. Yeah. So Elder Scrolls six, three years down, three years more down the line. So we'll see Elder Scrolls six in twenty twenty four. I mean, well, that's the future. Yeah, cyberpunk. We'll, we'll all have augments by then, and you know, or are they going to re-release in Skyrim for the eighth time? <laughs> that was the other funny reveal, which I did actually pick up. Was the Alexa app? Is it free? It's free. Yeah. I, I, is it in depth? <laughs> I, I didn't finish it. I assume it's not that very long, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, it's not not it's not comical, but it's just funny that it exists. Okay. Uh, what else did Bethesda show? I think that's it. Yeah, actually, the Starfield makes me think of No Man's Sky. Certainly, uh, as another space game, I was real excited for. <laughs> and to be honest, with all the stuff that's come out, that's like creeping back up my list of games that I want to play with all of the changes it's had since since launch. Is it any good now? I don't know. It sounds like it's better, but... Did you play No Man's Sky? Yeah, about 10 hours or so. Wow, you played more than I did. I, I enjoyed it, and I thought it suffered under the weight of too high expectations, but... In this case, mainly specifically because I think Sony pushed it as the type of game that it wasn't, or level of game that it wasn't. I think Sony pushed it, but also I think uh, the developers pushed it that way too. Yeah. Uh, that what was it, Sean um, something. Can't remember his last name. Yeah. He uh, yeah he he said some things that weren't true. I don't know. Uh. The concerning one for me, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake was nowhere to be found. Yeah, that's true. I did expect we'd be closer to that. They announced that game three years ago. Yeah. I don't know if that's happening. Seems like they're pretty deep in to cancel it, but also it's a big game. It's a long game. Remember Scalebound? Yeah. That game I, was almost done, I think. <laughs> I was waiting on that game. Yeah. I was too. That was like 
the the Xbox exclusive that I was actually the most looking forward to because I don't care about Gears or Halo anymore. Yep. Yeah, they too. they did announce a, a new Gears and a new Halo, which I'm sure will both be good. The Halo I will play if I have an Xbox at that point. I have a feeling this new Halo is going to be different. Different. Yeah, because and we hinted at it on the on our prediction show because everybody was saying Xbox needs to come out with some big things because they're losing right now or they're behind, I should say. Yeah, and and everybody was like, okay, well, everybody knows that they're going to bring out a new Gears, a new Halo, and a new Forza. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't get anybody excited. And they said, well, what would make people get excited about it? And me and Anthony both mentioned, what if they took, what if they took Halo and turned it into like a Far Cry game? And I have a feeling that's what this new Halo is going to be. It, it looks like Master Chief gets dropped off somewhere, and now he's got to take the place over, single-handedly kind of thing. Kind of like how you would in Far Cry. Mm-hmm. If they do that, that may ever they may actually like you know bolster some popularity and some excitement because hey, it's not me going through a bunch of levels till you get to a mediocre end. Yep. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. They had a Forza Horizon 4, which uh, all of those are good. Like, yeah, they're not I, bad I'll, games. I'll take people's word for it. I'm probably not going to ever play another one. Yeah, Forza Horizon's really, really good. They are great arcade racing games. But, you know, you throw me in a new locale and I'm still doing the same thing. Yep, and then gears. Sl- slightly they, prettier. They didn't even show gears. They showed a trailer, and it a was teaser? Like, it was a C, it was a CGI trailer of of yeah. of people talking. I don't know who those people were. I haven't played a gear since gears two. Yep, and I was Maybe like a there. huge gears fan back in the day. So. Yeah, and then they showed off Crackdown, and I'm like, I, wow, I don't care about Crackdown. <laughs> yep, my Crackdown's a game I've disliked from the first time I played it. I, it, I it's almost, just not my style. I almost 100%ed Crackdown one. I played an hour of Crackdown two and said this is bad, and I see footage of Crackdown three and you know the marketing for it, and I'm like, this just. I think Sophie said it best on Twitter. Crackdown just seems like really loud and obnoxious. Yep. I think that's true of all those games, though. Just Cause, Agents of Mayhem. I just, uh, they, they, for some reason, they just do not interest me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't think of everything. There's one other one that I was curious what your thoughts are. Anthem? Anthem, yeah, Anthem. Um, Anthem is a wait and see for me. Yep, uh, it, it's one that in the trailer looked amazing, but yeah. I'd just be nervous that there'd be too much other stuff weighing it down. Anthem looks to me like the the combat. It look it reminds me a lot of the combat of Mass Effect Andromeda. And I don't think there was anything inherently wrong with Mass Effect Andromeda's combat. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm interested to see what this class system is. I'm interested to see. I like, but the thing is, like, they've shown a lot of that stuff off. I just, yeah. I don't know. Now, the the other one I do want to mention is the one that I'm actually really excited for is the Division Two. And the reason mm-hmm. why is because I played Division One a lot, and I saw the tons and tons of flaws that the Division One had. Right, and unlike another developer called Bungie, who continuously screws up their games, Massive, who developed the Division, actually listened to their community and made the Division a good game because of that i think that massive is going to create a fantastic game with the division 2 because they actually listen to their community they learn from their mistakes and they said hey let's not do that again in our sequel while bungie said we'd had a lot of mistakes in uh destiny 1 mm-hmm. let's not do that again in destiny 2 and then they did that again in Destiny 2. <laughs> because I don't know why. So, yeah, the Division 2, I, I'm excited for that game. I, that's that's a day one for me. Yeah, for me, I'm excited for it, but it comes down to... That's a game that I'm going to have to wait for the reviews on, because I like the first one. Uh, I would love to play the second one, but... I, I just I want to see if they can improve on it. Yeah. I think they will. Massive has proven themselves to me. They 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 did a whole Diablo three with that game, like made yeah. it made it good and relevant again. So yeah, they've 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 earned my trust. I I'll be there day one. I will. And and the great th- the thing was when I saw the footage, I was like, okay, I'll be there day one, but I won't buy the uh, the season pass. And then they come out on stage and say, oh, and uh, every DLC plan for the first year is going to be free. I was like, okay, great. Yeah. I'm still not going to buy the season pass because <laughs> I don't have to anymore because you guys made it free. That's a, that's a company that actually listens to their fans. So, yeah, they've they've definitely got they got me on board for Division 2. Uh Ubisoft showed off the new Assassin's Creed game. Mm-hmm. Uh, just still don't care about Assassin's Creed. <laughs> it's still Assassin's Creed. It's still Assassin's Creed. Um, what else did Ubisoft show off? Oh God, I'm I'm blanking here. Yeah, there was uh, Kingdom Hearts three. Yeah, at Ubisoft. No, no, it wasn't Ubisoft. It was Square Enix. Yep. Uh, yeah, Kingdom Hearts three. I looks um, pretty. It, looks, it looks pretty. Yeah. The the more they have new franchises in it, the more strange it seems to me. Like you, to see Pir- Pirates of the Caribbean. Have you played a Kingdom Hearts game? I started the first one and played until I got stuck, which okay. was some Queen of Hearts level. Okay. I know which one you're talking about. It's that forest. Yeah, it's a forest. I, I just, I'm stuck. I don't know. I it's, just... re- it's really annoying. Yeah. Um, I have played every Kingdom Hearts game, aside from uh, the card game one that they had. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know what happens in that game. In any of the games? Or I, mean, the- I know what happens, but I can't explain what it means. <laughs> it's, some of the, it's some of the most convoluted stuff I have ever seen. Is like there's 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 heartless, but then there's also nobodies, and then you know, Roxas is a nobody to uh, uh, um, what's what the fuck's his name? The first one, Sora. But then, uh, but then they they conjoint can combine together, and now they're one again. And I'm just like I don't know what is going on in this entire series. And then there's you know then there's King Mickey running around, and Donald and Goofy who are completely useless. Oh my <laughs> god. Every single one of those games, Donald and Goofy are useless. It is one I would very much like to finish, at least the first game. Uh, yeah. yeah there, I mean, I enjoy the game. The gameplay is okay in them. Uh, to me, I still think that the best Kingdom Hearts game is Birth by Sleep, which is technically the first game in the series. Chronologically? Chronologically is the first game in the series. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's... That's I, I, man. She's going wild with that television. <laughs> Can you hear that? Yep. Jesus. She's watching Law, Law and Order. Law and Order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you know what? That's probably a good time to end it. <laughs> Any oh. thoughts on Dying Light too? Oh God, yeah. That's that's. Oh, I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's one. I've never played the first one. I can't tell you how many times I've. Almost picked that game up. Physical and digital. I'm always on the verge of picking it up. Like, I, I want to play this game. And I just haven't yet. You, First you, one. you probably should. Dying Light 1 is actually a really good game. Dying Light 1, okay. So I have to share this with you. Uh, I think I've said it on N4G before. Dying Light had one of the coolest moments in gaming for me. And it was some so very small and random. So, uh, Dying Light, for those of you who don't know, is about is a zombie game. It's made by the same people who made the first Dead Island. And instead of making Dead Island two, they went off to make Dying Light because they wanted to make something in their own vision. Uh, so obviously it's a zombie game. Um, the standard zombies that are slow and, you know, lumbering and stuff like that. They have mm-hmm. been a zombie for a long time. They have died and turned into a zombie, and that's what you become. When you first get bit, you turn into a runner, which is a really fast zombie who will attack you. They're very dangerous because they get up in your face and attack you really fast. But in the lore of... Dying Light, whatever you want to call it. Um, they mentioned that uh, when you first get infected, you still have a human... You, you still show tendencies of humanity. And they actually incorporated this into the game. So they sound different. They sound. They still sound human. They don't sound like somebody just groaning. Mm. But there was, a po- there was a point in that game where... And it happens randomly... Where, you know, you're obviously, you mainly use melee weapons, so like hit them with an axe or something like that. And you had one of these runners come up to me and start attacking me, and I swung my weapon at them, and they held up their hands, 
and you could hear the zombie like yell no. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's creepy. Yeah. It's almost it feels like, like a person. You still <laughs> like you're still killing somebody, but then they they immediately come back and start attacking you again. It's like for mm. a split second they still had they still showed humanity and it was creepy as hell. And I was like, wow, this is this is a great attention to detail. Yeah, that that's pretty awesome. And just I don't know, I I've watched so many videos and clips and it just looks fun. I don't know. Oh yeah, it's fun. When you when you get a good decapitation and the game slows down and does it in slow mo, that's real fun. I just better not get a bug like I did in Dead Island. You won't. I don't think there was that many bugs in Dying Light. I could be wrong. Yeah, not, not game-ending save loss bugs. I still am a huge fan of Dead Island. Yeah. I put 44 hours into that game. Loved wow. every minute of it. But yeah. that's uh... Actually, we do have an email. I forgot about that. I should I should <laughs> read that. I should read that. Yeah. This email was sent. So back to Radiant Historia? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, kinda. Uh, so this email dates back to May 2nd. So it's been a while. Uh, it was a while ago. This comes from Jason, and it's his thoughts on grinding. Because we brought up the, the question of do you like grinding in a game? Yeah, which just as a, as a quick aside, before we started recording, we talked about the grinding in this game a little bit. Yeah, that's right. In Radiant Historia, and I feel like I need to mention this is my biggest. It makes I'm a little uneasy about continuing this game because I I need to grind. I needed to grind, but I haven't been grinding. So I'm at the point now where I can't even fight the battles I'm supposed to be fighting, and I'm just running away from everybody, which is only enhancing my need to grind to get caught back up. So <laughs> I I did actually somehow more easily than I expected, get through my last boss fight. So maybe I'm not too far off, but for most regular fights, I can't even fight them because they take so many, so much of my MP to heal or so many items to stay alive that it, there's no way it's worth it for me to do those fights. So I, I need to spend a couple of play sessions and just grind. Yeah. So... Jason uh, says, um, I've listened to Drew talk about the game and mentioning grinding for level and items. We all know that he also so en- he also so enjoyed the grinding in Nino Kuni, a game that I would argue was designed assuming a player would do a reasonable number of side quests and not really needing a grind otherwise. Was he able to read that without cursing the game? Yes, I was able to. It's been it's been long enough to where I still hate Nino Kuni, but I don't hate it. It's just a pain in the back of my mind that I've suppressed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my real question for you guys is what do you think makes a good grind? A, the particular game, the platform, some other element. Uh, what makes one feel like a chore and another feel like a productive use of time? Keep gaming, Jason. Mm-hmm. That is a good question. And I will uh, take you to a game that I think did grinding really really well i wouldn't say perfectly but I, i'd say it did really well and the, it was the reason why was because of how it how it handled different areas in the game uh the game was lost odyssey in lost odyssey you go to different areas and they have random battles so you know you're walking around and you 
you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you go into an area and you can run into guys and grind. Uh, and if you stay in an area long enough and you grind to a certain level, uh, when you run into random enemies again and you beat them, you get one experience point. That is there to signify you are now good enough to move on. And you best do so. Yeah. And uh, they, I, I feel like I, I never felt like I had to grind with, I mean, even though I was grinding, I never felt the felt like I was doing it as a chore. I was doing it as, I was grinding to the point where I only got the one experience point and then I moved on. Which never took that long, and it always it gave me something to fight for. So why why would you say it gave you something to fight for? Do you think it's because it felt more like this is a part of the game and less a side activity? Because you know when you're ready to move on, as opposed to grinding, which many times can just feel like an unending chore. Um, so at this point, do you think it's the the definition of the end of the grinding ability? Yeah, do you, I, do you think that helps? I think yeah, I think it did. I think I think it gave me yet another bar to fill. Okay. So I've do hit, you think Persona would be the same way? How so? For me, it's the way you climb up the levels, and maybe this is somewhat of a similar psychology. Just the way you climb up the levels to me felt like progression, even if I was doing it off hours, and it was just a grind. I was still going floor one to floor X, so I felt like I was playing part of the game as opposed to just had it been one open dungeon for, or something i would i don't think i would have felt that same level of progression um yeah you get you get that sense with persona but you also had to keep in mind with persona you still have that time limit you got you, yeah you gotta beat this by the end of this day kind of thing that's true but i never had a problem with the time limit like it never was an impedance for me mm, i don't true. think i ever ran out of time I don't think I ever did either. I can't really remember. I felt like that sense of urgency kind of helped me push on. So yeah, I, I mean, Persona did okay with it. Um, I'm trying to think of other games that I didn't mind grinding in. Yeah, for me, one of my favorite grinds I think was Nino Kuni. I hated it because I, I loved. I loved that there was enough reward baked into it like i'm leveling up all of my little minions are leveling up i might find a toki toki like there's there was so much coming back to me in the grind between the levels also getting items and money like i just there was so much in it that i I felt like i felt like the reward was much higher per session of grinding or per battle Mm. than most games I um, I'll tell you a game that handled uh, grinding and experience horribly was Super Mario RPG that we did, where I beat the second to the last boss and got two hundred experience points for it. I'm like, what? Huh. What do you? That should at least give me a level. Yeah. I was like, oh, that that blew it. Like I was like, wow, this is broken. Um. Hmm. I don't know. I, For me, another big part of what makes an okay grind is when 
I can control when I do it. What I absolutely dislike is when I don't have that control and I end up in a situation where I want to progress but I can't. Or, you yeah. know, I, I, I really need to have that discrepancy. Like, my favorite grinds are ones when I sit down. Like, no matter what the play style is or the reward is, my favorite grinds are the ones where I can sit down and say, I'm going to grind for an hour and a half or yeah. two hours. The last thing you want to do in a JRPG is hit a brick wall. Yep. Yeah, which happened in Xenogears. Yep. And so so the clearer it is when I can grind, where I can grind, how I can grind, I've got no problem spending that time doing it. I just want to choose when I do it. Yeah. that's That sounds about right for me. It's, it's one of those... It, there's a fine balance, and a lot of games have a hard time doing it, especially older games. Older games are just like, well, you're just gonna have to, you know, guess if you're strong enough or not. Yep, and that's another reason why I, I, I've always hated random battles is I don't have the control over when I engage. Yeah. Now I, I don't hate them as much as I used to, but it for it was one of the main reasons I didn't play RPGs for so long. I, I still kind of hate them. Yeah, I, I do too. <laughs> yeah, I, I really hate them because, you know, I'm just trying to get from point A to point B and in between there I'm just running into stuff and it's yep. really annoying. And, and, and it's the same rationale for me. Like, if my objective is to go to a city and meet somebody and that's what in my head I'm trying to do, then every random battle I fight that I don't want to fight is just a waste of time. Yeah. Whereas, you know, once I've been there, once I've talked to whoever I need to talk to, then I'm like... All right, my next mission is to go into the a dangerous land. I I want to make that decision. I'm not ready to do that. Let me go grind for an hour or two. So to to me, that's that's probably the single biggest thing. Yeah, I'll tell you uh, that the grinding especially goes into the aspect of like roguelikes and stuff like that. There's a roguelike that I'm actually playing right now, and I wouldn't call it a roguelike. It's a um, it's a roguelite maybe. Uh, that, that's a term that's being used. It's called Moonlighter. Uh, mm -hmm. Moonlighter, if for anybody who's listening, I've wrote a review of it. It's on the website now. Moonlighter is a fantastic game. And the reason why is because of the, and it's not even really grinding, it's the progression of that game. So, uh, you, you're going constantly into the same dungeons, doing the same thing over and over again. But you're trying to get money. You're trying to get things that you can sell in your store to make money. And when you get enough money to get that first upgrade, that first weapon upgrade or that first armor upgrade or something like that, you feel it. So enemies that I've been fighting for hours that have taken like three hits to kill are now dying in one hit. That is a fantastic feeling. And that's how you should handle progression in a game. And um, uh, and it does all carry over? Uh, you're... Most of your stuff does carry over, yes. You, you, like, when you die in a dungeon, the only thing you lose is the stuff in your backpack. So you lose items that you could otherwise have sold in your store to make money. Mm -hmm. But that's not a big deal. Like, it, it's not a roguelike in the sense of you lose everything. And it doesn't have that big of an impact. It's one of those where you can totally brute force this game if you want to, just by keep going and keep going. And saving your money. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, you can eventually beat this game. It's not a, and I mean, yeah, it does take a little skill, but that game is fantastic. Like I, I suggest that to anybody. 
That's a really good game. It plays, it combats a lot like A Link to the Past. So yeah, I saw you were real positive on it, which it's fantastic. was what piqued my interest because as soon as I hear roguelike, I'm not interested. This is, this is, I shouldn't even call it a roguelike. It's not really one. I mean, when you die, you lose everything in your backpack. That's it. Mm. All, all your progression stays. Plus it looks artistic. It's I like, I like, nice. I like the, like the aesthetic of it. It's very nice. It's got a great, uh, soundtrack. It's a, it's well worth your $20. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to keep that on the, on the list. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of those games where like, I don't ha- I only have like, you know, 10, 15 minutes to play. I'll just jump on Moonlighter. Do a uh, couple rounds. Yeah. Do, do a couple rounds in the dungeon, grab some stuff, sell it in the store, save my game. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, and that's on, I think damn near everything. I'm pretty sure I know it's on PS4 and Xbox One and PC. I don't know if it's on Switch. It could be. I don't know. Anyway, well, I think I think we've talked long enough. Barely talked about Radio Historia, but that's all right. <laughs> we'll get through this at some point. I think soon, maybe next episode, we should start figuring out what else we're doing, what we're doing next. Yeah. Uh, well. I know for a fact that one of the games that we do this year is going to be Final Fantasy twelve because yep. we both already bought it and for this. <laughs> for this in particular. So that will be a game that we do. Will it be the next game we do? I don't know just yet. Mm-hmm. I mean we're only about halfway through the year, so I'm sure we could squeeze at least three more games in maybe. At at our current weight, we better speed it up a little. Yeah, we've done two. We've done two games in the year of JRPG. Oh, man. And I already... Oh, God. So I want to... I want to do something. And I don't know if you're on board with it or not. Oh, boy. So our our theme for next year... I, I'm just throwing this out there. Instead of doing, like, the year of the JRPG... The year of the genre. I want to do a year... I don't know if we should do a year, maybe a six month period, a half year <laughs> of some of the most critically panned games of the last two generations. Oh, and I the worst to, of the worst. I wanted to call it the year of hell. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I threw that around. I threw that idea around probably a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, what if we did that? What if we like sat down and played like, like we go on Metacritic and just look at like the worst 360 games, the worst PS3 games, and we play them <laughs> to completion <laughs> and talk about them. Uh, that would be fun. It would definitely be a change of pace. It would definitely be a change of pace. And I, I kind of want to do it. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see though. Yeah, it could be fun. First, we got to get through the JRPGs first. But uh, yeah, that'll be it for us. I'm gonna, I gotta, I gotta yeah, I gotta finish this up. Uh, if you'd like to follow us all on Twitter, I'm at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. You can also write us an email. It's Drew at ZTGD dot com. Uh, we'll read it on the show. Tell us about Radiant Historia. I know uh, Dustin has finished a game, and he is eagerly waiting our. I think our last episode, so he can just give us our final, his final impressions. 
uh, and that's totally fine. Um, I still don't know what we're going to do next. I, I don't know if we'll do Final Fantasy next. We might, we may hold off and do something else next. Yeah, I'd like to do something a, a bit more different. Well, Not necessarily a palate cleanser. Uh huh. But I, I, I don't know yet. But okay. I'd well, rather th- do something before Final Fantasy twelve. I, I know we did kick around the idea of Parasite Eve two. Yeah. Um. I don't know if that's a palate cleanser or not. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out though. We still got I, at this point. We still got two episodes of Radiant Historia left, if not three, depending on how slow we go. Also, I want to go ahead and tell you guys we will not have a show next week. I will be at the beach, so I'll be on vacay during that time. But that is it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you guys in two weeks. Until then, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a great one. We'll be back in two weeks with the continuation of Radiant Historia. Radiant Historia.